Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading I Needed a Neighbor by Patricia Sanjin with permission of Scripture Union Publications. We are reading Chapter 14. When Tisra woke the next morning, Charlie was perched on the end of his bed in a pair of blue cotton pajamas, staring at him. To his relief, the girl had disappeared. Tisva sat up and said good morning, and then he offered to wash his own clothes and restore Charlie's trousers. But Charlie did not seem interested. Where are you going today, Tisva? he asked anxiously. Tisva thought about it. I came over the border from the settlement camp, he said at last. My wife ran with me, but she died in the bush. They shot her as she fled. My children were left behind when they took us. One day, when the rain falls and my people go back, I will look for them. But today, I do not know. If you could take me to a camp, I would be happy. I think I cannot walk anymore. Take you to a camp, broke Charlie? No way. I need a driver. I'm not going off on a long drive alone again, not after what happened this time. If I can get you some papers and a license, would you stop with me for a bit, Tisva? Tisva nodded gravely. Not for a moment would he betray the sudden lift of his heart. I'm ready to serve you, he said, but I must have clothes. No problem, said Charlie, suddenly slapping him rather painfully on the back. We'll soon settle that one. He beamed all over his face, and to Tisva he looked absurdly young to be driving a truck at all. I'll have to get your papers fixed, though, and it, as, this, as it's Sunday, that may take a day or two. Some of the offices may be shut. But in any case, you're not too fit yet, are you? And Mingustu says you can stay here and rest until I'm ready. So come and go as you please. I have to drive a food consignment to a camp up north on Wednesday morning. Not far, just a four-hour drive. I'd like you to come with me then. On Wednesday morning you'll find me here, said Tisva simply, and Charlie bounced off delighted. Tisva sat for a while enjoying the peace and the greenness of the garden and the prospect of his immediate future. And then someone called him to breakfast. At first he was shy of joining the international group of young men and women, but their common language appeared to be English and they accepted him immediately as one of themselves. They seemed in good spirits and they ate and drank quickly for they had work to do and he soon found himself alone with Mingustu. Tisva helped him clear the table and wash the dishes and then Mingustu said, at 10 o'clock I'm going to worship God in our church. Would you like to come with me? Tisva hesitated. There had been a time when, stumbling through the bush, he had not wanted to worship the god who had torn him from his children and taken Muna. But somehow, during the last few days, his feelings had changed. Charlie had reminded him that God was good and worthy of thanks, so he, ex he accepted the invitation. They set off at half-past nine and walked past the mosque and the market, the basket weavers, the pottery stalls, till they turned down a side street and stepped in front of a long, low building. It was so quiet that Tisva thought they must have come too early. He was amazed to find on entering that the place was packed with silent worshippers who sat with bowed heads, and it was hard to find a seat. Children and young people sat on the floor or on the steps of the platform, and they were all nearly his own people. And what a strange church. There were no icons or pictures or images on the walls. Neither was there any smell of incense. The man who stood on the platform and gave out a number of a hymn was not dressed like a priest, and he spoke in Tisva's own dialect. Then the singing broke out, bright and joyous with hand-clapping, and there was light in the faces of the congregation that he had never seen before. Then, strangest of all, the Bible was read in his own language, 
and to his full amazement he noticed that many of the people had Bibles of their own and were turning the pages to follow. He listened carefully, for he had never read the Bible himself, and he heard for the first time in a language he could truly understand the story of the crucifixion. At first it seemed like another cruel death to add to so many had already witnessed, but as he listened his thinking changed. It suddenly seemed that there was no one in the room at all except that lonely man hanging on the wooden cross, representing all the lonely people who had died in the bush by the wayside of hunger and thirst, torture, disease and wounds. Had they all echoed those haunting words, My God, my God, why have you deserted me? Why? Why? Jesus had apparently not known the answer or he would not have asked the question, yet it somehow brought him nearer not a plaster image or a remote historical figure, but someone who had come close and suffered as they had suffered. The service was closing, they were singing again. Oh, how I love Jesus. He did so much for me. And their faces glowed as they sang. But why should they so love that broken, tortured figure? What exactly had he done for them? Suddenly he had a great desire to know more, and the people were streaming out, and the young man had spoken from the front stood at the door shaking hands. When Tisva's turn came, he said shyly, Might I borrow a Bible? I have no money to buy one. The young pastor picked up a New Testament and handed it to him. Have you ever read it before? he asked. Never in my own language, replied Tisva. In our church it is read in the old tongue that only the scholars can fully understand. He thanked the pastor and would have passed on, but found his hand held firmly. Would you like to come and talk with me at the church this afternoon, asked the young man. I shall be here after the Sunday school at four o'clock. I will come, replied Tisva, and went home with Mingustu to the midday meal. Charlie was paying his expenses until his papers could be fixed, so he had nothing to worry about. He slept deeply after eating, and when he woke, it was time to leave. The pastor, Isaac, was waiting for him in the church, and it was cool and pleasant under the electric fan. They started by exchanging information about each other. Isaac had left his province further south two years previously, not because of famine, but because of his faith. He had been 16 years old at the time of the revolution, but shortly after he had attended a small church and been given a Bible. He had read about Jesus, the way to God, and the Savior of the world, and in a way that seemed strange to Tisva had fallen in love with him. He could not keep the glad news of Jesus to himself, and it endured imprisonment, beatings, death threats, because not only could he not renounce his faith, but he, could, but he had to tell others. In the end, he was warned that he was to be arrested and shot the next morning, and he ran away. Strong and athletic, he and his friend had crossed the border after running for 17 hours and landed up in a refugee camp. Isaac was well-educated and trustworthy and had soon found a job in the refugee organizations. He had built up the little church to its present fullness, drawing his congregation from the older, integrated refugee settlements, and every Sunday more new people crowded in. God has sent us a famine, suffering and death, said Tifa, and his voice was bitter. I buried my wife in the bush. They shot her down as she ran. Her feet were burned. My children were left alone, maybe to die. Why then should we so love this Jesus? Isaac was silent for a time, remembering the torture and the fear. Why had he loved so much? Why had life itself seemed almost insignificant compared with the joy of spreading that message? We live in a spoiled world, said Isaac at last, speaking very slowly. God's way led to health, joy, and love. 
but we choose sin, selfishness, and war. Evil became our master, and we became its slaves. But spoiled and lost as we were, God still loved us. Your children are lost and far away, victims of an evil system, but you still love them and will travel any distance to find them. And so God traveled a great distance to come to us. He became man, the man Jesus. But what about the suffering, the starving thousands and the dead? What about the prisoners and those who die on the roads? It's a part of the evil and the spoiling that humans choose when they turn from God's law to serve sin. You know, sometimes in our country, wicked bandits capture hostages and ask a great ransom. Jesus offered himself, his own perfect life, as a ransom to set us free from evil and bring us back to God. When he died on the cross, he paid the price of the sickness and the sin and the suffering of all the world and all the ages. It is a mystery I cannot yet explain, but this I know. When we choose to bring our own personal sin or tragedy to the crucified Savior, he bears it for us and gives us pardon, peace, and triumph in his place. We can put it by faith into his hands. It comes in contact with his wounds and his love bathes it. Nothing totally committed to those hands can ultimately turn out evil. He will make something beautiful of it, but we have to choose. Isaac was speaking in Tisva's dialect and he never heard such words before. And all the sorrow of the past months seemed to come flooding back to him and he wanted to weep. He was still very weak and he rose to go. I will read the book, he said, and then I will understand more. I may stay here for a time as I have a job and I will come again. They said goodbye and he walked back to the house. There was an evening service at the church, but he felt too tired to go, so he lay in the garden thinking about his children. He would get paid for his job and maybe could save a little, and if the rains came, surely some people would travel back. But would his children still be there? He found that his heart was beating fast and hard with love and longing and fear. You will travel any distance to find them, Isaac had said. So God traveled a great distance to come to you. He opened his book and began to read about Jesus. And tomorrow we'll be reading chapter 15. I love you. I'm praying for you and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.